0: Listening to Discography Discussion, episode 166, Coheed and Cambria. Hosted by Dan Terry. General Metal Corps reporting for duty. David Van Zant. Dan, your meathead is showing. And Joseph Wren. Excuse me, sir. I'm the genre police. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you checked out when the Amory Wars ended, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is David. Welcome home. Oh, dude, you cannot
1: start the podcast off like that. <laughs> he
2: tried it three times and he still did
0: it. Look at it this still way, dude. It. We're all three at home. Social distancing is a thing. Apparently that doesn't apply to the liquor section of the gas station, but we'll manage. I mean, if we can't go on a beer run at any given time, I mean, why, what are we even doing here? What state do we even live in at that point?
1: Well, I mean, we live in Missouri. David lives in Cali. Cali, baby. Which means he probably makes more working at Starbucks than I do working on medical equipment in a day than I make in a week.
2: Yeah, but like rent is probably like cost three times cost your mortgage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's actually probably
1: really accurate. If we did, we go it. through this. You're, I was like, yeah, we
2: were talking about the uh, DiscussMetal.com credit card you sent me with the four dollar limit. I was like, oh yeah, maybe I can get like a gallon of gas. And you're like, oh, well, we can get like two gallons of gas here.
1: Oh well, we got a new Patreon subscriber. Thank you, tantalized fungins. Um, and so now the limit is like four fifty. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I also love that
2: name. I always see him show up on Discord, man. Tantalized Funions, you're the man.
1: Best Discord name ever. We got to talk about some Coheed, but first I want to read an email if that's cool. Got this email from Jonathan Humphreys. He's from St. Louis here with us. Um, He goes, yo, dude, it's been a while. I hope you and yours have been safe and healthy. Have you guys considered doing an episode on Black Crown Initiate? Next to X Toll, they're probably my favorite heavy band. They have a new album coming out in August, which means there will be a total of one ep and three full lengths and that would be an amazing episode that's a good recommendation because yeah there's enough albums for us to talk
0: about nobody likes a 20-minute episode that's not the only recommendation we got ajf1 says master don master don dude i'll go once around the sun i don't got a problem satanic puppy overlord says heaven shall burn episode
1: that for sure needs to happen I appreciate all these recommendations, too, because, like, I don't want to say we were running out of bands to talk about because that's impossible. But uh, this might sound crazy, but there are limits to bands that I've heard, at least all of their records of. So um, these recommendations are really helping us stay afloat for sure.
2: You knew the well was drying up when we started doing rap
1: and progressive emo episodes. Yeah. Prague emo. I can't wait for us to drop that bomb on the listener. People are going to get so upset,
0: dude finally patrick mccarthy bull in regards to episode 129 the black dahlia murder this ruffles my feathers to which i said thanks for listening man we definitely appreciate it congratulations dude you've once again ruffled somebody's feathers regarding the black dahlia murder
1: yeah it wasn't my intention at all um they were another band that i didn't really have a problem with i just if I played a Black Dahlia murder song for you right now, would you be able to identify which one it is? No, you wouldn't. Now here's an even funnier joke. If I were to play a Haste the Day song right now for David, would he be able to identify it?
2: Absolutely.
1: I think we need, I think we need to do Haste the Day revisited and end and end this joke. <laughs>
0: Just to make me listen to all the albums. Well, before we go any further beyond the black rainbow, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. And why do we
1: love them? Because they make me feel really good. They make Joe feel good. They make David feel good. David likes to take credit for episodes he wasn't on, like the Haste of Day one. And, uh, and you know, we just want to keep that thing rolling. So uh, we love it when you guys share the episodes, you guys comment on the episodes. It, it always feels good to read a comment, get somebody else's opinion on something, or to even give us information on the show that we didn't cover in that episode. Uh, I like that stuff. I don't think you're being snarky or weird or anything. You have a thought about anything we said? Just let me know what it is, good, bad, and different. We love all of it, and thank you guys so much for that.
2: I got my first uh, email based on the show from a friend of the show, Brian Patton. Oh, did you? Yeah, Brian went to let me know that uh, Point Zero wasn't actually rap rock, and uh, they were just as heavy as War of Ages has always been. So thanks, Brian Patton, for not making that public. But I feel like I need to do a a retraction on that. Yeah, that's
1: fine. You can do a retraction (laughs) for the thing that
2: you got wrong. No, it's fine. Uh,
1: (laughs) I would have believed it, but whenever I was thinking about it, whenever we talked to David Bunton of The Showdown, uh, he was talking about how they had gone on tour with a bunch of bands and um, Point Zero. And he's like, yeah, now they're War of Ages. Man, that should have been the time for me to be like, were they rap rap? But I didn't. didn't. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't jump on it fast enough.
0: So, so Dan, tell me about Coheed and Cambria. Uh,
1: that's going to be really complicated, Joe, because there's a lot about Coheed and Cambria. You know, on the surface, they're, a, they're like a progressive rock uh, band that... Incorporates styles of very different origins and somehow is able to blend all that together somehow and at work uh, for them. But uh, if you want the hardcore deets, they started in New York City. Um, Claudio Sanchez being the most consistent member of the band, uh, lead vocalist, plays guitar, writes almost every lyric that you're hearing from this band that he is personally singing or screaming or making oh oh, oh 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 type type sounds and uh <laughs> you know he, he he does all that stuff and uh not only <laughs> does this band a progressive metal band but or i'm sorry a progressive rock band but they are well they they have backing they're they're not just a concept record band this is a like you know you, you guys all love the marvel cinematic universe right like star wars give or take some of the more recent stuff Um, You know, everybody likes an expanded universe, so why not a band that is an expanded universe? Why just listen to an album when you can listen to the album while you're playing? Well, they don't have video games. I guess
2: it's only a comic book, isn't it? It might be a novel out there too, but Claudia was a uh, a character video game at one point in time. <clears throat>
1: oh, okay.
2: Guitar yeah. here? <laughs> no, it was, like a, it was like a Mortal Kombat Street Fighter fighting game with a whole bunch of front men from, from bands back in like the mid 2000s, like Spencer from Under Oath and No Effects. And yeah, Claudia was
0: there. Were all of his special moves <clears throat> based around his giant hair? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He was like whipping people. The go- I would hope so. <laughs> it was a lot.
1: Well, this giant-haired man uh came up with a concept a universal concept called the amory wars not the armory wars which i had to be corrected uh earlier whenever we were talking about this because kept saying armory 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 so i'm already set to piss off coheed fans before we've even started but uh the amory wars was written by claudio sanchez there are a series of comic books as well as a full-length novel um, and nine studio albums to back up all of those concepts. This is the kind of thing that I'm not normally into, guys. Uh, records should not be this long. They shouldn't have this many songs. They should <laughs> All the songs shouldn't sound weird like they do. Uh, but it it works for me for the most part. And, and we're going to get into all of that uh, as this episode unfolds. And I'm going to try to keep us up to date on the story as I understand it. Uh, and I just want to thank uh, a few hardcore coheed fans that, that i had to reach out to to make sure that i had all my facts straight so i just want to thank them and and uh, for, for all of their help so that i don't look totally dumb even though at the end of this you're probably going to be mad at me
0: well i definitely know the least about the story because i've spent little to no time reading the comic books or browsing the internet archive of the forums where this whole story thing started i know good apollo on burning star 4 volume 2 had just come out damn that's a mouthful When I say this wasn't my thing I mean I absolutely hated this band I don't know if it was the hype I don't know if it was the sound of his voice I think it was his inability to form A full sentence Without breaking up his sentences Across his verses Because the joke for me was Claudio will talk to you about Something that you like And then he'll tell you something That you didn't know I could not stand The way he put his songs together And I started listening to Wolf Mother because it sounded like classic Led Zeppelin. And I thought it was great. And some point mid-record, I asked myself, why do I like this? It's got classic rock feel, lo-fi drums in some places, and the vocals sound like old-school Led Zeppelin. That's basically what Claudio's doing because he really wants to be classic rock. He's mentioned on more than one occasion that he wishes he had grown up with his father's music. So at that moment, I... Asked myself, is there any justifiable reason why I listen to this and I don't listen to Coheed? The answer was no. I went and bought all the albums up to that point, and I've never looked back since.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a bad thing like back in high school where, if there was like a group of people that were really into a band and I didn't like that group of people, I kind of avoided that band. And that was Coheed for me. There was this band that always played in my high school. I couldn't stand that band, and the lead singer was obsessed with Coheed. I couldn't stand the lead singer of that band, so I just avoided Coheed and Cambria for most of my life. And then in college, I was like, well, you know, it's not really unfair. In college, I found uh, the Deer Hunter, which is another concept band where every album tells a story from start to finish, you know, through the acts. I was like, well, if I like the Deer Hunter, why don't I like Coheed and Cambria? And I went back and tried to listen to a couple tracks. and. It's his voice, man. Uh, Claudio's voice, I just couldn't get past. And you're saying it sounds like Led Zeppelin. I compare it a little bit more to like Getty Lee from Rush with like, you know, that kind of that high pitched, uh, the way he enunciates and all that stuff. And I love Rush, so I don't, I can't pinpoint why I don't like Coheed. Um, so the first, you said that you know the least about the story, I definitely know way way less. Cause the first time I've ever heard any song from start to finish was two weeks ago when we started getting ready for this episode. But I will say, as the albums go on, my opinions change from front to back, back to forth a little bit. So we'll get into that in a little bit. I might be the
1: odd one out on
2: this one, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, but
1: I'm definitely a big fan of the older material uh, overall. So
0: I I guess let's get into it, guys. 2002, the second stage, Turbine Blade. Oh, man, now we're talking. Favorite Coheed record hands down. All right, we've got yeah. 8 records to go. We found Dan's favorite Final Thoughts on Coheed and Cambria. It didn't it didn't start
2: as
1: my favorite like for sure. Um, Because I, I really, really, really like the third record, which is also titled Four, which makes no sense. Uh, But here we are. No, I really, really love Second Stage, The Turbine Blade. Well, I guess it makes sense because the first record is called Second Stage. It shouldn't be First Stage, The Turbine Blade. Anyway.
0: I'm pretty sure the first stage was the fucking online fan fiction universe thing. I think it's Year of the Black Rainbow
2: because that's the uh, that's the prequel. So I think that's one. And oh, then that's two. True.
0: Shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a whole lot There's a whole lot that goes into this story, and um, we're probably going to miss a lot of it, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. If you guys are, uh, sorry, Coheed fans, you guys probably already know the story, and we're not going to be able to tell it in a way that is probably going to be good. So uh, I'll just uh, give <laughs> some summary to it, um, kind of as we go through the albums. Uh, second stage of the Turbine Blade starts off with Time Consumer which is really kind of, it gives you a vibe that you really don't get for the rest of their discography. It's more of like an emo, like a downtrodden kind of slower, pop punk influenced sort of sound. And there's all kinds of, and they expand from there. So they go from like pop punk to like hard rock to like maybe some harder edged emo stuff. Uh, And then they, they make a hilarious attempt at hardcore with uh, Hearshot Kid Disaster. Um, I'm not sure what they were going for. It's the got to be the only Coheed breakdown <laughs> that is there. So, that's why uh, it's my
2: favorite song.
1: That's why it's my favorite album. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it, it's got to have breakdowns, right? Most people have heads, but I just have meat for a head. So that's just <laughs> that's just what happens. There's got to be breakdowns. <laughs> um, honestly, the first time I heard Coheed, the first Coheed song I ever heard was... Uh, favor a favor in house Atlantic and uh, I was like turn this trash off immediately Um, and I I didn't revisit but I really like Claudio's voice on this record especially because it's high but it's not annoyingly high like it is on the next record Um, it's a little bit more subdued it's a little bit more like with what I'm used to listening to and once you once you start realizing that it's not an emo voice like not like objectively not really um, it makes it It a little really
0: wants to be a fucking emo voice
1: it doesn't I, I disagree 100%, especially when you take into account their later material. I'm going to still say it was a Getty Lee um, type of sound. And even on this first record, I think the only reason they get labeled as emo is they still have that punk influence uh, in some of their music. You know, um, Devil New Jersey, that that song is very pop punk, you know, very driving. But I, I, think, I think where they succeed on this record is whenever they go hard in more of like an alternative rock sound um no but i think i think that's why delirium trigger is probably my favorite track because it's it's not blatant it's not trying to be blatantly heavy like here shot kid disaster but it's just a really really intense emotional like m- like alt rock song like almost dad rock i guess is what people will call it now um it's got almost a little bit of like a i don't want to say new metal but it, it's just thick it's it's musically thick and it works really 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 well in comparison to their lighter stuff which is either straight pop punk or uh or it's like kind of more like an acoustic-y chill kind of vibe i guess like if you if if you don't understand what i'm saying listen to delirium trigger and then go listen to uh godsend conspirator and you'll you'll get kind of
2: an idea what i'm talking about well there's a very clear like paradigm shift there's like a volta and it's um shot Kid Disaster so the first half of the album like I'll say it because it's the Jan the Dan and Joe show it's not the Dan, Joe and David show so I'll say that's progressive emo it's, it's like disgusting. the first half of the Metal. record
0: com, you fuck <laughs> well I'm still a guest so
2: <laughs> I'll be the one to take the bullet for you guys it's progressive emo the first the first half of the album is, is pretty emo and then here kid disaster kicks in and that's when it starts to get a little bit heavy and like literally like 10 seconds into the song you hear the record kind of like stop like if the record slows down and stops and then the second half of the album just sounds totally different at least to my ears than the first half of the album and that's like the most conceptual part of second stage turbine blade to me but like the first half you get like i don't know And i'm sure people are going to get upset i'm not gonna this isn't a negative thing but the the, the album reminds me of like The Moon Is Down era Further Seems Forever Where Chris is a great vocalist And the band are super talented But um, they kind of fight against each other Trying to find a melody And trying to find a rhythm And it works Because that's what makes The Moon Is Down such a great album But that's the vibe I got from From this album That that Claudio is a great singer, the band is great, but they kind of fight against each other trying to find the melodies and trying to find the rhythms. You know, had I not been so biased against this band back when they first came out and actually did listen to it when it dropped, I probably would have been a huge fan and followed their career the entire time. But without any nostalgia, I just really, it took me a long time to get into this first album as a whole. I totally
1: understand what you're saying. I think I like it because it's more discordant I guess overall it, I like it because it's a little harder edged than their stuff is going to become as it goes. And I like, I kind of like that, that tension release, tension release, that kind of ebb and flow of it where it's not all a hundred percent. And then if you look at the story, which is not fair because you have no context for that. Um, but as far as the story goes, you know, you've got two parents, Coheed and Cambria that are, as far as they understand they're just normal people but then it's discovered that they're actually like assassin androids um i know it's hard to say with a straight face but this is where we're at we're, we're in it now um they're assassin androids and they are told that their four children uh are essentially going to bring about the destruction of the world uh and so they end up having to make the hard decision to kill their children um, but one of them escapes uh his name is claudio I, it's. I always wondered how he came up with the name Claudio for the main character.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure about that, that. one. Yeah. yeah, it's a little confusing. So far, it yeah. sounds like a Blade Runner 2049 thing going on, but you know, tell me more. Yeah, a
1: little bit of Star Wars mixed in there. Uh, Coheed escapes or not Coheed, um, sorry. Uh, Claudio escapes and ends up on another planet, and that's pretty much all I really know about the story for this record. Um, it, we'll it'll kind of continue on uh, later in the next record. But uh, with this record, yeah, I, I like that it's harder edged. I like that it is the most distinctly different sounding Coheden Cambria record out of all of them. Um, there's elements that I like of the other records, but this is the only one that I can just sit down and listen to the entire thing beginning to end. And I, I like it because of all the different places it goes. And because sometimes you get heavy, you get screaming, sometimes you get lighter, more acoustic, and then you end it off with kind of a
2: chill track. Yeah, he has, like, I gotta give credit to Claudio for, like, his voice, because we already talked about, like, comparing him to Getty Lee. But then you get, like, you know, early 2000s spoken with, like, Matt Baird. He kind of has, like, that kind of high-pitched voice, so then when he goes into the screams, it's a little bit like Matt Baird's, but then you get, like, the undisciplined screams that Jeff from Thursday throws out, and some of, like, were all the time and and Full Collapse. I'm not sure if that's Claudia screaming, but just as the vocals in general, this first album, uh, like I said, if there was a little bit more nostalgia to it for me, I probably would like it a lot more.
0: I think the album's a great first step for the band. You could easily be confused looking back on the band, knowing what year this came out. There's a reason they got shoved into the emo stereotypes. As we've said many times, the general populace doesn't really know what emo is, do they, Dan?
1: No, they don't they don't really know and uh, but I can understand why. I mean, like when when this record came out, pop punk was huge and emo was starting to kind of come out, you know, like the 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 emo that everybody calls emo today that is it was it was so huge and I understand why it may have turned a lot of people off. I don't I don't think that for the type of sound that Coheed would eventually become famous for, I don't think that this record was a good representation of that and probably left people with a totally wrong impression of what Coheed was and what the whole point was.
2: I'll give you that cuz I totally like going into the discography I was totally expecting a certain sound from just what I created Coheed and Cambria to sound like in my mind and Second Stage Turbine Blade Second Stage Turbine Blade was not it. And we don't even get to that for another couple albums. So, you yeah, know, you see that kind of evolution, which is good, I guess.
0: 2003 in Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth Three. It's the second album. Once again, we're off by one. On the George Lucas. Claudia's pulling the George
2: Lucas on us.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is a this is a record, man, that you can listen to. Um, no, I I actually I actually do like this one quite a bit, especially the title track, uh, which is just a big sweeping epic song, which they had never done before at this point. Like, I understand that like in the next record they're gonna totally blow it completely out of the water with Welcome Home, but. This is this is before we had that as reference uh so that song and, and honestly i still like whenever i watch the live stuff i like seeing them play this song live um it's up its own backside quite a bit in that it's eight minutes long it is a a war song man your battle stations will have you dead pretty soon you know like at, it's 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 very epic and that's where you start getting that progressive rock idea out of Coheed, this is the first record that sounds more like Coheed as we know them today. Um, but then, weirdly, and I I don't know if this is like a record label thing, or if it's just what Claudia wanted to do, it's probably that one. Um, but, like, you have really epic songs like In Keeping Secrets of the Silent Earth 3, but then you have songs like Blood Red Summer, and A Favorite House Atlantic. And, like, A Favorite House Atlantic being probably the most commercially accessible song on there, Um, And it's actually what made me think that I hated the band. Uh, But then it's like after a three-part story segment called The Camper Valorum, you know, it's like this big, like, what are you guys trying to do here? Like, your album's an hour and nine minutes long. (laughs) And I'm getting like Rush. It's like Rush is playing a show. But then like every couple of minutes, like a pop punk band comes out and plays like two songs and then gets down and then Rush gets back up on stage and starts playing. And it's just uh, it's a little it's a little disjointed in, in in its presentation. I don't think that they were quite to This is how we this is how we convey one emotion throughout a record. This is like, well, we've got this story, so we're going to write the lyrics about the story but musically i'm just going to basically play every single one of my influences on one record
0: and he definitely does there is more than one example of this band in the studio on video where you see claudio playing his guitar sitting off to the side basically guiding whoever was recording at the time on how the song was supposed to go and what they were supposed to play the whole time he's playing something totally different which tells me that he's making the shit up as he goes but then they'd cut to him playing the fucking drum part so i'm get the impression that Claudio's the kind of guy who says well i'm not getting the feeling that i want so i'll just do it myself but he does it very well on one instrument not so well on other instruments But that's the way he wants it to sound. So that disjointed sound, on one hand, feels like this is the best they could do. And they didn't have anybody who wanted to spend $5 million to make the album sound gigantic. So they just did the best they could and said, here's the parts that go here. Here's the parts that go here. Turn it up. Turn it down. Everything's fine. But then you have a more than competent guitar player playing less than competent drum parts. And he still does a very good job. The way you describe that reminds me
2: of like, I'm going to turn off all your metal listeners, which is most of your listeners, but like Brian Wilson in the studio when Beach Boys was recording pet sounds of just him off in the corner orchestrating the entire thing, realizing he can't play a certain instrument and hiring someone to do it for him, but then still not being happy with anything that they're doing and then doing it himself eventually. You're not wrong. Eventually that's
0: what happens
2: (laughs) It's funny too because whenever you
1: pull up Video of Coheed Playing live during this part Portion of their career The rest of the band is like trying to keep up Like Claudio's there like front and center With his guitar and the microphone and he's amazing Like he was just as good then as he is now (laughs) You know like um, he he's always incredible, and everybody else is just trying really, 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 really hard to stay up to speed on it. And um, it's it's hilarious. And when you when you listen to this record, you you definitely can hear that a little bit. In that the record is the way it sounds in his brain, or at least as close as they could get. Um, and the rest of the band members are like, man, like you know, it's like again, it's like Star Wars. Man, you can write this stuff, George, but you can't say it. You know? <laughs> like,
2: yeah. I don't know. I think. The first two albums, I, I really just kind of couldn't really get into it at all. Like, you know, they're the first one's good for like an early 2000s, mid 2000s emo record. This one's a really good rock record. But like, I'm a concept album fan. Like, I love concept albums. I love concept bands. And I'm not getting any of that from this. And like, yeah, if I look at the track listing, there's a couple like, you know, they have like the couple multi-song suites that a lot of concept albums do. There's maybe a couple like reprisals in there. But like. I'm not getting any concept from this and I can't follow the story unless I read the extended material. I don't know. So I think that's the biggest thing. And what you're saying makes sense because I didn't watch any of those uh, studio videos, but it seems like that it's like the Claudio show and not like the Coheed and Cambria show, which hate to bring up Deer Hunter again, but like Casey's the front man of that band, but his brother's on drums. Like he has other family members in there. They're all bought into the concept and it shows on every record that they have. Coheed doesn't show that until we get to the next album but these first two albums I kind of always skipped over because it just didn't like I'm here for the concept I'm here for the songs and I want to feel it flow and it just I don't get that flow vibe from it.
0: And Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3 has some of the most popular Coheed songs in the entire discography. It has some of my favorite songs but its execution is expecting you, the listener, to have bought the comic books and be fully in on the concept. I bring up the Harry Potter films again to illustrate the things that were not included in the movies that everybody that read the books knew about. So the little flaws in, like, the Goblet of Fire, the little story elements that don't really make sense, depending on who you watch the movie with, Nobody questions it because they've already read the supplemental material. They've read the original source. So I'm sure fans of this band were totally in on this record, even though it was The Claudio Show. But listening to it as is, it doesn't flow very well at all. But it wants me to listen to it as if it's a concept album. It just doesn't flow that way. Well, yeah.
1: So you, you guys are saying basically like these were just the songs that they wrote. And then at the last minute, they were like, oh, we got to tie this into the. Into the story somehow, so we'll just write lyrics about the story and then move, you know, move on from it. You're, you guys are basically saying this maybe wasn't really. A, it was a concept album
2: in lyrics only. That's not really what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that I can't. I'm not getting the story from listening to the album. And I, to be honest, you know, I didn't read the lyrics for the first two albums. So maybe if I'm sitting down reading the lyrics, I, I can get the concept from it. But just sitting down and listening to the music. I'm not going to get that until the next album. And I'll bring up, like you brought up Harry Potter, I'll bring up another pop culture thing. Um, the game Destiny uh, mm-hmm. that came out a couple years ago, you know, great game, great gameplay. One of the biggest things that had going against it is that the storyline was kind of whack and it was kind of all across the board. But if you're someone like me that was pretty much obsessed with the game, I logged online and I read all the grimoire cards that came with Exploring the Universe and I got the story and it made sense to me. Right. You know, people that didn't log on and take that extra step to read a supplemental material, they didn't get the storyline. So a lot of them kind of left the game on its haunches because they didn't want to invest in going deeper. So me, like I said, with the last album, had I listened to it in the the 2000s when it came out, I probably would have been bought in Hook, Line, and Sinker. I would have bought the comic books because I'm a comic book fan myself. I always saw them on the shelf and I ignored them because I didn't like the band. But if I read the extended material and got into the story, I probably would have been so much more into the albums than I have been the past couple weeks listening to them with no nostalgia involved. That's fair.
1: Um, I think, like like Joe said, some of the best Coheed songs are on this record, but the, it doesn't seem like the focus was to flow on this one. I mean, if, it, if that was the focus, great. But you guys didn't pull it off. Um, you just didn't. And, and that's fine. Like I said, like the songs are, are good enough um i do feel the need to um throw in a little bit of a story synopsis on this one and again this is this what i'm telling you guys right now is a combination of me talking to hardcore coheed fans and um reading some of the supplemental material that i could get my hands on but i'm going to try to keep this as, as simple as possible uh on this record um Claudio. so this takes place 10 years after the events of Second Stage Turbine Blade. Uh, Claudio was uh, on a different planet called Shiloh's Ten, and um, Claudio finds out that his entire family has been murdered and begins a quest for, basically, revenge. Um, And uh, the people that were trying to kill him and his family initially find out that Claudio has special powers. Um, They have to stop him. Standard superhero story stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you know. Um, and you know, there's a there is a female protagonist introduced, which uh this is gonna be important later. Um she is based on Claudio Sanchez's real life girlfriend at this time. And um, so you know, there there's some battles, they they try to get to another planet, or they try to get back to the planet for him to enact his revenge, but the guy that's flying the ship to the planet is actually a serial killer. <laughs> Which I thought was an interesting plot twist. Uh, that's where you get the song "Al the Killer," <laughs> and um, so it's all there. Um, but basically, my understanding is that I guess there were they came back and there was another big battle. I could be wrong about that, um, and that's kind of where the record ends off. That like you know the the stage is essentially set where Claudio is plotting revenge on the people that murdered his family. Um, there's this evil there's these evil forces that are trying to take over the world and he's got to stop them it's Star Wars like that like the first one we say was Blade Runner this one's more like Star Wars you must come with me to this other planet Luke you know like and it's like i mean pretty much the same story uh, with a couple of weird things thrown in like it, it's basically star wars if han solo turned out to be a serial killer before they got to alderaan you know
0: good uh, now that's
2: a great movie <laughs> yeah that would have been an amazing plot twist that's solo two cool one
1: man could not have done this <laughs> absolutely um and that's going to be important later
0: 2005 Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4 Volume 1 from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness (laughs) Oof, you get all that out? I nailed it, dude (laughs) Alright guys, so
1: if this is Star Wars This is like Return of the Jedi Um, But with a, uh, with no teddy bears That that fight machines and win And, uh Let's just say Like, this would be like, okay I'm just gonna throw it out here, I'm gonna tell the story As the best I can tell it, okay? You remember at the end of the last album how you know he has he has garnered his forces and we're ready for the confrontation between the chosen one and his followers and the bad guys and their followers, right? So they're going they they're going to fight. They're going to fight. Oh, but see, something's going on in real life that the characters in the story don't know about. This this girlfriend of of Claudio, oh my man, you know she was. She was not faithful. I mean, this happens. It sucks. It's terrible. Um, it's 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 terrible. So now, at this point, uh, Claudio starts drinking a lot. He gets uh gets gets a little depressed. He's trying to write his story, right? He's trying to do the best he can. But the problem is, this female protagonist, Amelina, she's based off of this woman that was unfaithful to him. So, what do you do? You get super drunk, and then a, an image of your ten-speed bicycle from when you were a child appears in front of you and says, "Dude, you gotta kill her." In the story, like you have to do it. There's the David's I'm not even making this it, up, yeah. man.
2: I'm a not even speed, making this up. A ten-speed bicycle. Yes, <laughs> Dude, it is.
0: It, Ten it is a speed of, of God's blood and burial. This is. What did you I think mean, it was? <laughs> <laughs> not a ten-speed
1: bicycle, man.
0: It's a ten-speed bicycle.
1: Okay. And it's telling him, "You've got to kill her." Oh
2: man, dude, That's this is rough. This is like my favorite Coheed album, and you're just telling a story about it.
1: It's about a ten-speed bicycle. Okay, so he decides that he has to kill Ambolina to properly end the story. Um, but you know, at the same time, like they're these guys are ready to fight back in Storyland. Uh, so what do you do? So the writer enters the story. So, so Claudio
2: enters the story.
1: Yeah, so we are, so we are, so Claudio, so there's, there's story. So now I have to make a differentiation. There is story Claudio and there is Claudio, Claudio.
2: Does he enter as Claudio, Claudio or does he have a different name?
1: Well, they call him the writer,
2: which is Claudio, Claudio.
1: You know? Got it. Right? Real life, <laughs> real life Claudio.
0: Does he um, soar in on a giant white shining luck dragon screaming, Falcor?
1: No, but that would be amazing. Uh, But no, he breaks the fourth wall and basically says that she has to die, right? Um, And so she is killed off in the story, right? So
0: this is like
1: the Matrix. Neo meets
0: the fucking architect and he says, Neo, she has to die. Basically
1: just like that. So the the thing about it, though, is that Storio Claudio is not too stoked about the fact that this is happening. (laughs) Like, dude... I'm over here living in my own little universe, and then some dude comes down on a bicycle and is like, I am the creator of all of this and she got to die. He's not really into that (laughs) so much, which basically means that Claudio is eventually going to hit a point where he's going to be like, listen, I'm going to, do. now I just have to destroy the entire world. I have to destroy the entire universe because this is happening. Like to to hurt the creator of the universe, I have to destroy the entire universe. Um, and that that's pretty much all I really got out of the story. I mean, and in in more layman's terms, it's just like dudes writing a fantasy fantasy story and he bases a he bases a character off of his girlfriend. Oh, that's really 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 sweet. But then she cheats on him in real life, and then it's like, well, now my story's ruined. You know, like this sucks. What am I gonna do about this? But what she didn't what she didn't account for is the fact that the story is self aware. The story thinks that it's actually for real, happening for realsies. Um And so the story gets pissed at you for wanting to kill people off for no reason, <laughs> according to the story. So it's it's very um, convoluted. No, I was going to say stupid.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm picturing like a space opera with all these dudes like on different planets with spaceships and all that. And then just a giant red haired lion mane of a man comes rolling in on a 10 speed bicycle (laughs) in the middle of the universe. Says, hey, man, I'm God. You need to kill your girl.
0: No, dude. The bicycle showed up and said, you got to do it. Like the actual bicycle. I don't. I'm speechless. Well, that's uh, what happened. The bicycle,
1: yes. Yeah, so the bicycle. So it's like you know how everybody always talks about like the angel on your shoulder and the devil on your shoulder. What if instead of the devil, hear me out here? It's a ten-speed bicycle, right? And the bicycle's like, she got to die. I mean, it's it's just it's just the way that it is.
2: And um, and then it goes bling 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 and rides off into the sun. Uh,
1: yeah, it, this was just this was rough. Um, I mean, any way you slice it, I mean, this is like. Can you imagine watching Return of the Jedi and, like, they're about to mount the final battle on the Death Star, you know, and the Emperor's all like, strike down your Jedi, strike me down with your Jedi weapon. I can feel your anger. And it's all going, like, 100%, right? And then George Lucas just descends from from nowhere on a 10-speed bicycle and is like, Princess Leia got to (laughs) die. (laughs) <laughs> like that's just—I uh, would have used a different female character, but back then there were not female characters in Star Wars, and uh, other than Leia, so we, we have that going for. I guess I'm that Mon Mothma lady, but she wasn't a main protagonist. Anyway, this is like a.
2: See, I was going to enter this this album on this episode and say, "Hey guys, guess what? Coheed and Cambria wrote a concept album." Cuz this is the first album that I actually got the concept vibe from. Like, "Hey, this is a story. It starts out with a reprise from the last album. It starts out with this acoustic gig and then it gets into the more the poppy rock stuff." But you just kind of ruined it by actually telling me what the story's about.
1: Well, you know, you knew that th- you knew that th- <laughs> you knew that the uh, that the entire concept had to be so out of this world bananas for the record to finally reflect that like is that I guess you're right yeah so you know and there's one thing that I kind of left out so have you guys ever seen the Claudio, or not the Claudio Sanchez even though that's what I actually mean the Coheden Cambria logo which is like the three circles inside of the uh, or like with the uh, uh, pyramid in the center of them yeah they, okay. Um, so that thing's called the keywork, right? Okay. Um, basically Claudio accepts his destiny and says, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to destroy the key work, which is what makes time travel possible. No, uh, the key work basically is just like the, the thing that keeps the universe spinning and working or whatever. Um, and so he decides that he's going to, um, he's going to destroy the key way and basically destroy the world. Um, that's some pretty heavy stuff
0: Clearly that um, wasn't how it was going to end Because this record was called Volume 1 Right, well
1: <laughs> you know, This is where it gets complicated we'll, we'll talk about it on the next record But let's jump into this musically since this is what we're here for This um,
0: is the best Coheed record I'll agree Well,
1: I'll, Up to that point
2: Yeah, up to that point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it starts with that reprise. It gets into that acoustic thing, which I got a quick story in the acoustic song in the beginning. I I listen to these albums late at night when I'm washing dishes and like my wife and my kid are asleep. So when that little kid starts talking in the background of that second track that acoustic track it scared the shit out of me <laughs> the first time I ever <laughs> heard it. I turned around in my kitchen expecting like a little kid to be playing with a cat right behind me it freaked me the hell out but no then it gets into welcome home which is probably like can we say that's one of the most popular songs? I think it is. It I'm is. assuming They're, it is.
1: Absolutely. I mean it's in movie trailers and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
2: And rightfully so. Like it starts off with that really cool kind of like first time I ever actually heard coheed get like progressive metal because that first riff in the very beginning is very progressive metal and it's a heavy heavy song i love it. I, it it's rightfully so i usually don't like the hits and the singles because i'm a meathead jock like that when it comes to music but this deserves to be their most popular song it kicks ass
1: yeah it's it's a really great song. It's a total ripoff of cashmere by
2: Led Zeppelin 100 percent just so we're
1: you know all 100, on 100 It's
2: not as repetitive as cashmere though speaking as a Led Zeppelin fan that's yeah, I know you're,
1: you're totally yeah. right he He basically was like, man, I like cashmere it's amazing how can I how can I do cashmere but like it'd be like an actual song that people would listen to other than to just to get pumped <laughs> five um,
2: minute uh, movie trailer.
1: And strangely, their least emo-sounding song in the in the entire career is the most emo song lyrically I've ever heard. I mean, th- th- this is some pretty violent stuff, this side of Glassjaw. You know, You're in the sense, you know,
0: like... He invoked uh, the power of Glassjaw. Yeah, you know, oh, Please shake
1: shit. up your mind, girl, before I hold you under. You know, like, I mean, that's... Woof, that's rough. You know, you could have been all I wanted, but you weren't honest. You know, like, I mean, it's 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 very... um. It's it's a girl. My girlfriend broke up with me. That's what that song is. Um, and you know, it was more than that. She was unfaithful. He's upset, understandably. Um, I don't know how well this song, how how well this song stands up now lyrically. Um, where you know bands used to be able to get away with like writing lyrics like that, and now not as much. Um, I definitely understand both sides of that argument. Um, so you know, send the hate mail to at gmail.com. Uh, but I, I will say. This song for me, while it's fantastic, it doesn't sound like a Coheed song in the traditional sense. It's not what I'd been really into up to that point. So my favorite song on the record is actually um, Apollo 1, The Writing Writer. Um, It just sounds way more Coheedy, (laughs) if that's a word. Um, I would have accepted
0: Coheed-ish.
1: I love 10 Speed and God's Blood and Burial. Um, I know that's like ruined for you now because of the words 10 Speed that's
0: all i'm gonna
2: think about
1: it's part we- of the series it's part of the story i love the suffering i love uh the telling truth in the final cut
2: but you're exactly proving my point so you're saying that welcome home isn't um as coheedy Cohedish, coteed-esque as what you're used to because you have the nostalgia factor of the first two albums coming into this i have none nice. of that so coheed-esque to me is welcome home because pretty much from here on out, that's kind of what Claudio is shooting for. You know, makes sense, like, Welcome Home was was a banger hit for them and put them on the map, you know, if I can speak, you know, 10 plus years later after it coming out, so why not shoot for that hype again? But that's what the Coheed sound is to me, is Welcome Home, moving forward.
0: And I think that 2005 changed what the Coheed sound was. Whatever they were shooting for in 2002, 2003, but couldn't quite get there, this record has just enough of that classic rock mentality with modern production that was arguably toned down for 2005. 2007, they're going to take everything they did on this record and just turn it up louder. But this record had a perfect balance of whatever that coheed sound is whatever claudio's got in his head this record to me sounds the most like what that is at least what i think that is and i think welcome home was the gateway for a lot of people it was one of the many gateways for me and as we move forward like you said dan that's what they're shooting for they're trying to write welcome home again
1: but they never do never do spoilers if your favorite song by Coheed and Cambria is "Welcome Home," you're going to be in a world of disappointment.
2: Until Unheavenly Creatures, I think that album spoiler alert gets the closest to this album in level of like epicness and and sound. Like this sound this this album sonically, the first two just seem so, at least to me, seems so empty. Like it was very much like early two thousands, you know, rock and emo. Like this is the first album where like the bass is punchy and it's full and there's atmosphere to it. Like if we can use the the word of discography discussion atmosphere first plays its part on this album
1: that's fair i mean i love this record i know it sounds like i'm slamming it but i I love like most of it uh quite a bit but uh, and again i like it because of how negative it is and how you know crazy it is you have to kind of ignore the fact that it's a record about a guy talking to his bicycle about why he should kill his fictional characters that's a really hard one to look past so still trying to ruin it for me with me being a lyric guy, it's it's really hard thing to look past. Like for sure,
2: Well, you being a lyric guy, uh, how do you feel about how Claudio says "I"?
1: Yeah, the one thing that I don't like about Claudio's vocals is that he will take a one-syllable word and make it into two syllables. Man, your battle stations! Like I, oh, I think I don't, what you meant man, to say know, was man. he
0: splits up syllables in unnatural ways. I don't like it. It's, I can't like, stand for it, me, it, dude.
1: For me as a lyricist, I feel like it's very sloppy and I feel like it's done in a way to where you can keep your lyrical melodies intact while still being able to write a song about a guy talking about his bicycle and how it should kill people. like.
2: Well, that's what I was talking about with with Second Stage Turbine Blade in the last album. He he's a great singer. I will never knock Claudio for being a bad frontman. And to think about him playing guitar while he's doing this live, um, will bring in the Getty Lee comparison because it takes a lot of talent to be able to do that on that level. But he does. It it seems like that he's fighting the melodies of are fighting against each other, the rhythms of the band and the vocals are fighting against each other. And to get past that He's going to do weird things by throw a whole bunch of whoa whoa woes in there and take one syllable words and spread them into four or five.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I took a drink every single time I got a whoa whoa, I mean, well, I would not have this bottle of Jim Beam with me right now. Let's put it that way. It'd be in my belly. Uh, I think that was really my biggest complaint, and even on this record, and continues to be my complaint to this day because he never stopped doing it. Um, But I mean, beyond that, this is probably their best record objectively. In that it is a perfect representation of what every what Claudia wanted Coheed to be for everybody from the beginning. He just maybe didn't have the chops for it before, or didn't know how to put a record together, or didn't have a good enough producer, or, or whatever it was. Um, this is the first time where it really, really, really came together, which makes me ask what what happened on the next record.
0: Two thousand and seven, Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star Four, Volume Two, No World. For tomorrow. It
1: is insulting to me that this record is called Good Apollo Wine Burning Star for Volume 2, because, man, have you ever watched a bad sequel? This isn't bad, but it's like, they just were like, yeah, man. Uh The last one was great. So great. Forget all that, though. Let's go back to Second Stage of the Turbine. <laughs> I mean, this is the really...
2: sequel. This is the direct-to-DVD, direct-to-television sequel for the last album.
1: Yeah, it's not amazing. Um, It's... Passable. Like, I I really love tracks 9 through 13, The Incomplete. Like, I I feel like that kind of completes the story as good as they could do it. Uh, Spoilers, pretty much like the universe is destroyed or he tries to destroy the universe. I don't know. I got confused. I kind of, I really paid hardcore attention to the story earlier on in this. And now I'm like, do I care about this at all? Because, like, you have to understand the stuff that I was being expected to digest in that last album about a bicycle talking to a dude about murdering somebody like not even a real person but somebody in a story i I was like do i do i really care about this (laughs) you know like like i thought i did uh, and, and I didn't and, and it's that's just the way that it, the way that it is but this record just does not have the songs to support the concept that it's trying to to present. They, they've gone full swing into more radio friendly rock songs um, I thought Running Free was okay I thought Mother Superior was okay and like I said I liked um Even the title track of No World for Tomorrow isn't bad but it's like not even as half as good it's not half as good as the last record was.
2: Yeah the last five tracks are good too like I'm a Sucker for the multi-part suite um and the last five tracks kind of deliver on that again you get you get the concept feel from this album so there's nothing uh, there's nothing inherently bad about it but if I was a coheed fan back then and we went from the last album to this I probably would have you know maybe have jumped off the ship a little bit because it just doesn't deliver the way that the last one does and it is I think it's not as a uh, radio rock friendly as the next album, which we'll get into my opinion on the next album. But this one is very much it's starting to get there, which is why maybe this is when I tried to get into Coheed and Cambria in college when this album came out. And rightfully so, it didn't it didn't catch me.
1: I'm going to take a stab to it, why I think it was so bad. And again, it's not bad in the sense that like, if you like Coheed, you're going to find something to like about the record. It's not like they like forgot how to play or something between records, but the ideas are not as strong. Um, I think everything is presented technically fine, perfect, whatever, uh, but the material isn't that strong. But like when I bought this record at Best Buy for $7.99 on New Release Tuesday, because the last record was so good, right? I was there day one. I get a slip sleeve with just a disc in it, a cardboard slip sleeve. It's like one step up from a from a paper from a paper case that they use in video game stores to keep the discs behind the counter. I couldn't find lyrics, there was no story support, there was no any like it was one of those like, "Hey, um we we put this out. We want you to buy it, but like we're we're only going to put as much effort into it as we did to with the music."
2: <laughs> and I'm sure that. there
1: was like a deluxe edition, but I didn't get that.
2: Well, and you get that cheesy cover, like, not saying that cover art matters, but it matters, especially in a concept band. And you get that cheesy cover of, like... Goku with the crater like falling down like I just assume that he fell down from from the universe and hit the ground that's what that crater is there for and he's kind of looking off into the city skyline with the Koheed logo in the background I don't know compared to the compared to some of the other Coheed records uh, you know that album wouldn't make me buy it had I not listened to the band before
1: absolutely yeah it just I don't know man it, it just it falls flat i really wish i could put my finger on it and i feel like this is where this is the moment where i was like well maybe i don't like this band as much as i thought i did cuz they're not doing anything blatantly different than what they've done before but again the material the choices made just don't hit with me it's the same it's the same way i felt about become the archetypes physics of fire record which was like a huge a huge uh, concept record and all that um but then you go back and look at terminate damnation and you're like wow the material on this is way stronger than on this record this record's not bad like objectively it's not bad but it's not the, the songs don't stick with me i don't remember any of it and um i i just that, that's how i feel about this record 100 so just go back and listen to that record or go back and listen to that episode and then come back and uh you know it'll be the exact same conversation
2: are you going to say that this uh this album's metalcore
0: too
1: no. But I mean, they were a metalcore band. Anyway.
0: Just listening to the record and the music for a second, I like Claudio's style of playing melodies like he's a rhythm guitarist that does not have a supporting lead player. He strings melodies together with subharmonics and open droning strings, basically, plays guitar the way Lemmy plays bass. But at its core, he's just playing rhythmic melodies without overly indulgent lead guitar playing. He has those moments, but he's not bending 17 strings like Queen would or shredding a fucking solo like Iron Maiden would. I mean, not on this record. We'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) So when I listen to the music, I think this is somebody who has really good ideas Who is trying to follow a theme tonally, but then the vocals take me out of it on this one. The vocals on this record fully represent my previous opinion about the band, that you can have a good voice and you can sing, but you cannot construct a verse to save your life. It sounds like he wrote everything down on a piece of paper, stood in front of the mic, and just sang the melody while reciting the words, and wherever it landed, that's where it landed. It doesn't sound like there was effort put into the songs. It sounds like the songs existed, and he added vocals to it. But then he does the come on, come on thing in The Hound, and the running free millennial WAP, I think that's called now, the wah-oh-oh-oh, that bullshit that was happening in 2007. I love it. It's entertaining, but I'm not hearing a definitive composition like I was with Welcome Home or In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth, shot, I'm not hearing those songs that to me represent the band. I'm just hearing another entry in the ongoing existence and this record to me is the first real step down. And it was a big step down compared to the last one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not going to get any better uh, anytime soon. And I think that that's the thing that really killed me is that, you know, I just don't remember really anything about that record. And I've listened to it very recently and it still just doesn't stand out to me. It's not the record that I would go to. If I made a Coheed playlist, there'd be a lot of the first three albums, and like maybe seven or eight or nine more of like the last two or no, not the last two, but we'll we'll get to that too. But uh, definitely the, the most recent record for sure.
0: <laughs> two thousand and ten, year of the Black Rainbow. What year was Weird Mageddon again? Do
1: you guys like Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace? I did <laughs> because some days. Is, uh, I got a video to send
2: you
1: (laughs) you later, but, uh, you know, it's, it's prequels. Uh, this is the prequel to everything that they talked about on the first, well, on all the records up to this point. Uh, so they're like, well, we're going to go, we're going to go back in time. You know, um, this record, they really did try to switch it up. Uh, they, they added some psychedelic rock elements to their stuff. Um, they, they definitely, like this was a solid try. It, it really, really, really was like they—they they were trying to find like, ooh, what is it people like about Coheed again? You know, they okay, they—they they like the weird stuff. Okay, we'll—we'll we'll make it weird. We'll make it super weird. There's so much stuff going on on this record, like from different musical standpoints, that it's just a mess. I felt. I mean, here we are. Juggernaut was a great song. Like, thank God they had that one. Um, but the rest of it, I had a lot of trouble getting into.
2: Yeah, it's weird, like you said there's a lot going on there's there's a lot of like psychedelic there's a lot of progressive elements to it but then there's also a lot of garbage radio rock sorry maybe i shouldn't say garbage but i just i really don't like this like you get tracks like the broken which is just like it sounds like everything that they played on like this local radio station back when i lived in pennsylvania that played stuff like am i I allowed to say band names that i don't like like, I don't know like Godsmack do you know what show you're on I just want to make sure I don't know because like there's it just sounds like you know when he when you listen to the radio when you listen to FM stations and you get to the hard rock station that still just sounds like the nickelback and the three doors down and the Godsmack and you know the non-rappy songs from Kid Rock that's what like the broken sounds like to me and most of this album and yeah, there's progressive elements to it, there's some weird elements to it, but nothing that's intriguing enough for me to say, hey, I'm going to go put on Year of the Black Rainbow and enjoy it, because every time I listened through it the past two weeks, I kept on skipping.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically describing our local alternative rock station. And I our mean, classic
0: rock station.
1: They're so stuck in the past. Like our, our local station claims to be the new rock station, but they play Soundgarden. And um they play Temple of the Dog and they play Nirvana and they play Bush and you know, just a lot of butt rock. Um yeah, this was this was kind of kind of their first foray into butt rock, you know, um, or dad rock as people call it, you know. Um it's that music that's like harder edged than your classic rock, but is well, it's just not particularly riveting, you know. And keep in mind, you're you're trying to take dad rock and you're trying to mix it with psychedelic elements, and what you get is just a mess. You know, you, you get You get a feeling that, like, okay, guys, we had a really big, massive hit with Welcome Home, which was a more classic rock-influenced type of song. We got to do that again, or people are going to stop listening to this band. Like, they had their diehards. Like, Coheed diehards, they're going to listen to anything that Claudio puts out, you know? And I can't say that I'm not kind of the same in a certain sense. And, that like, I still like his vocals. And I still like his guitar solos. And I still like all of his stuff. But, like, the la- these two records have been just drivel to me. It's like, yeah, it's, an- it's that feeling of, yep, it's another Coheed record. And, like, obviously, dude cared about it more than I do because he wrote a 352-page novel about the story on this that I didn't read. Spoilers. And nobody got time for that um it's just too much
2: not even in quarantine do we have time for that
1: i don't even have time for that in quarantine absolutely um you know i was listening to this record when i was like half dead so you know maybe that hurts it a little bit but like it's definitely um this is not the same band that put out the first three records you know um same dude probably wrote every single every single bit of it but he's he's reaching i think too hard for things that aren't really his forte And I mean, the record didn't do well critically, obviously. Um, It's just one of those records that like, yeah, I mean, you can listen to it and that's fine. Here we are, Juggernaut's kind of cool. But beyond that, I mean, that's all that record is to me is is
0: Here We Are, Juggernaut. Sorry. I tried really hard. I really did. Who wants to explain to Joe who the Afterman is? (laughs) The Afterman. He's about to make a few appearances. Yeah. This is different. 2012, (laughs) the Afterman Ascension. Where is he going? He's going up. He's going up to the keywork. The key work? Yeah. What the actual fuck is the keywork? I dug well, this out. I album. told you what the keywork was. <laughs> weren't you paying attention? Oh, that's right, man. This is the it's thing It's like the on...
1: flux capacitor of the Coheed universe. <laughs> it keeps the universe in check, right? Um,
2: is that the, what the flux capacitor does?
1: <laughs> uh, well, no, the flux capacitor is just... <laughs> it's, it's just what makes time travel possible. Shit. <laughs> I was Marty. I was hanging your <laughs> clock, <laughs> and then I, I I slipped and I hit my head on the toilet. <laughs> and then I had a vision, a vision of this, the flux capacitor, which is what makes time travel possible.
0: After I fell off my toilet. After I, I wrote I saw this a song. Ten
1: speed bicycle.
2: Oh. oh shit! Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> brought okay. it back
2: around.
1: Well, this isn't about any of that crap. Okay, so th- this is this is a story. This is this is two concept records. They're basically the same record. This is like a showbread and anorexia nervosa type of situation here. Um, except the records didn't come out on the same day. But uh, the Afterman follows the adventures of a guy named Sirius Armory. And he basically journeys, I, assuming in space, uh, to the to the keywork to figure out how it works. And when he's there, he's inhabited by a whole bunch of uh, it says key entities, but they're they're more like like spirits. So this this goes into more of like a metaphysical territory where his consciousness is is held up by these spirits and he basically is helping these spirits cross over to the other plane of existence or something like that I, it's hard it sounds like a bunch of crap to me but it's it's sci-fi so like let's just let's have it um basically this entire first record is about of the of the concept is about him being up in the keywork and finding out how it works and at the same time he's helping these lost souls cross over and while all of that's going on he um you know he has a wife at home where basically this dude got trapped all up in the keywork, and they just assumed that he was dead so everybody back at home just assumed that he was dead so his wife you know eventually was like okay he's dead that's terrible and she grieved and then she moved on right um but this record sticks mostly to the story of him being in the keywork and finding out how it works i'm not going to get too much deeper into that uh, this record's, like, way better than the last one. Did <laughs>
2: anybody else catch that? Dude, this record is... I mean, both of them, I consider them one. The, I mean, the Afterman is just... It, Coheed's back, and this is the first time that I was like, cool, I'm going to go back and listen to these records. They're they are phenomenal.
1: Yeah, they're absolutely fantastic. I mean, we are—we we are like what they were trying to do with the first three records, but they've actually, like, had years of experience and actual good ideas that don't involve bicycles and drinking, and um, I'm going to stop making that joke now but like it's definitely um, it's almost seems more on brand for Coheed. Um, the, the story itself about a guy being in the keyway and helping souls cross over is not as generic as the original story which obviously borrowed elements from Star Wars and The Matrix and Blade Runner and all of these things. Um, this, this seemed a lot more um, original and easy to kind of easy to kind of digest um but musically it's it's progressive rock that's interesting and it's memorable um you know like mothers of men the afterman those were great i like i also really liked that this is a two-part record but each part isn't 72 minutes long i think i think that's the key i feel like for the last two records no pun intended um but the last two records They were just trying to fill up space because it's like, well, we're Coheed and Cambria. We have to have them release an album that's an hour ten. You know, and on this record, I mean, they still do that, but it's since it's two records. Um, I actually really like the second half of it, um, uh, Dissension, where basically he escapes the Keywork and goes back to his, back to his planet and meets up with his wife and his wife has already moved on. And so they sit there and then they talk about it and it's like really sad. <laughs> and then um, but then like she dies in a car crash, like immediately after that. And then, so then he goes back to the Keyway to help her soul cross over, like after that happens. And so, it's a it's a it's kind of a tragic like love story type type of thing, and um, with a good sci fi flavor to it. uh, The music supports it really well. You know, we're we're no longer at a point where we're questioning whether or not this band knows how to write a concept record. You know, like these these songs flow. They they keep certain motifs that come back. Um, one thing I like, too, is that the suites are broke up. It's not just a solid gauntlet of like eight songs or five songs or something. They, they, they break it up. They go different places in the story, much like you would do in a movie, cutting different characters in different
2: scenes. Yeah, I like how it's like talk, Like the record starts out with like him talking to whoever Mother is, which I'm assuming is like kind of like an AI on whatever he's traveling with. Or Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, so he's like, Mother, are you awake? She's like, i, I o I'm always awake, child. Like, I I like that. And like he keeps on talking to her that then in his like Yeah, I'm always awake. But then, like, you know, what's what's the what's the survival rate? And she's like, you know, 30%, you know, is this what love is? You know, why are you doing this? I don't understand this about the human race. Like, I love that, that concept part. It actually makes it feel like a concept album. actually before I Googled it, I thought that these two albums were separate from the Amory War saga. I thought it was kind of like its own little thing inside. Um, which it kind of is. It's its own little story that takes place in the same universe, but, you know, different it's like the, it's timeline. Like the
1: man, it's like the Mandalorian of uh, the Amory Wars, you know? Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, where it's, like, actually better than the main entries at this point. That was definitely um,
0: a rumor for a time. Like, oh, Kohe dropped the Amory Wars. Well, they dropped the Claudio story a little bit, but they stayed in the same universe.
2: Dude, but kudos to him. Like, this whole record, like... Everything that we were kind of jabbing at Claudio for up to this point, he just knocks out of the arc. Like he still has the high-pitched vocals, but they're used in a way that actually makes sense because he mixes it in with like a lower register. Um, not so much of like the forced screams. I don't know. Just his his whole performance, I think, is is spot on on both these albums. Well, I loved albums.
1: I loved his pitch-shifted deeper vocals that were on at the end of uh, that were at the end of Good Apollo Volume One. Uh, and he kind of brings some of those back For this one and I, I love the way that Sounds like it's very unique You know, yeah. Nobody's ever going to sound like that And um, yeah I mean they they Knocked it out of the park with these and, and honestly Like I was very skeptical after After two records that were kind of stinkers To me uh, to go into this like Oh god the next one's a double concept record Like I, I don't know if I can handle that And I ended up being very 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 Surprised with what
0: I got Does Coheed and Cambria have a tone That limits their ability to be the loudest band in the room i listened to ascension and descension i realize now that i introduced ascension but we've kind of been talking about both records at this point they're the same record they have a sound that goes back to the first couple records specifically keeping secrets of silent earth where everything is toned down a little more mellow I think what happened with Volume 2, No World for Tomorrow, the band did what they always did, but whoever mixed that record just said, it's not loud enough, we gotta turn it up. And it sounded like shit for a Coheed record. Does Coheed have the ability to actually play dynamically, which is very much classic rock? It doesn't need to be the loudest fucking thing in the room. The person listening to it can turn it up. I mean, they do now.
1: I don't know if they did in the start. I mean, I think that that's what they were always going for. I think that's what the goal was. Um, but I mean, they're, they're doing it now. Like This is the kind of growth that I like to see from artists where, you know, their early stuff, you can criticize it all you want, but the early stuff eventually enough time goes by to where it becomes classic in your mind, the old stuff. Uh, but it still had problems that these newer records, or especially these two don't have. In that, you know, they, they've been doing this for so long now. You know, you do anything enough times and eventually you're going to you're gonna strike gold. Like, you're going to figure out what you're going to do. You, you're going to figure out what you're doing. You're going to figure out, like, how to how, how to not only make the lyrics cohesive, but also make the, the sound of the record and the tone of it cohesive. And they did a really good job on this record. They did a really good job on this record.
2: Yeah, so, like, Coheed and Cambria as a band is very theatrical by design. And then you get Claudio who up until this point, with the exception of the third album, always seemed to kind of fight against what the band was doing in his vocal styles. But these albums, The Afterman, you know, both of them, is the first time where I think that Claudio matches the theatrics of the band and actually jives well. So I always compare him to like like a Broadway performer, where the the way he enunciates his words, the way he can throw his voice, like you were saying, Joe. It doesn't have to be loud because he can whisper on these albums and there's power behind it and there's depth and thickness behind it without cranking it up to 11. Um, They can get loud. There's some loud parts and heavy parts to these albums, but because he finally found a way to gel with the music and his vocals at the same time, he doesn't need to. Because even at the softer parts, you're like, man, this is thick and this is heavy.
0: Right. It's a storybook. Well, this is what they were going for
2: the whole time, and this is like this is so. This album, these albums, are the Coheed sound, and you get a little bit of that with with you know Welcome Home and that album, and you get a little bit of that with Unheavenly Creatures. But these two albums right here is what I picture Coheed in my mind to sound like. Totally.
1: So, um, anybody want to tell me what happened with the color before the sun?
2: that's so it's not a uh, that's not Amory Wars that's their only album that isn't canon correct or am i wrong this
1: is this is claudio sanchez makes makes uh you know 10 rock songs and puts them out on a record 2015 it should have been a Claudio Sanchez solo record, but it's not for some reason. I don't really like this one very much. Uh, it's okay.
2: It's not um, horrible. It's not
1: you. of I've always loved the idea of like, hey, let's have Claudio do like not a concept record. And this is what we get. And it's not terrible, but I don't love it. Um, uh, I, I appreciate hearing his like actual views and honest lyrics and things. I feel like this needed to happen at some point, but... Right now, I mean, the last concept records were so good that it was like, oh, wh- why-, why are we going in a different direction? Where's my unheavenly creatures? You know, like, I mean, it's one of those, like, y- you come off of a double album like that and it's like, okay, cool. What else you guys got? Well, we're, g- we're going to take a step back for a minute and we're going to do, you know, this different thing. And I mean, it's fine. The Island is a great song. The Island is a great song
2: The Island is a That's like one of the greatest Like opening tracks To a rock album That we have in recent memory And I like to think of it As, as like a concept of That movie um, With Scarlett Johansson And who was that um, Not Ewan McGregor Jude Law Called The Island Where like
1: Oh yeah I love that movie Me and my yeah. wife both Love
2: that movie yeah. Oh it's great Yeah and I, I just picture it As like this is the concept Of that movie a few too it's many sad. chase
1: scenes On that one but yeah Cause you gotta uh,
2: escape The Island get off the island
1: my favorite track was atlas um i just like that song a lot but like um i appreciated that this was kind of brief though we didn't get like four albums of just claudio the record um we we got we got a 47 minute rock album which is totally fine um it's not too long it doesn't overstay its welcome and um and it was fine it's
0: just not what i wanted i don't think any fan of coheed and cambria wants a record where they're not in the amory war universe But as a record, this sounds like either B-sides he had in his head that just didn't fit within the story, or he just played a bunch of songs and said, guys, let's make a record. I don't think you want Claudio Sanchez, the solo album, because then that takes away from Coheed and Cambria. That sword is sharp on both sides. You can either get a Coheed record that doesn't fall within the concept, Or you can get the solo album that nobody takes seriously because it's a solo album. I think in his mind, it's still Coheed because Coheed is his band.
1: Absolutely. Well, there you go. We talked about that one.
0: (laughs) Should have been a solo
1: record, but it's fine.
0: All right. 2018, Vaxxis, Act 1, The Unheavenly Creatures. Now we're talking. (laughs) This is an album, man. This is such a good
1: album this one's like way heavier than what than they've gone in a Mm -hmm. while um it's darker it's heavier i mean oh um i was very as a fan i would be with this record i don't know anything about the concept yet i'm gonna have to dig into that further but there's only so much time in a week guys come on um this was oh so good man um dark sentencer Starting the record out of the seven-minute song, and that's the kind of thing that would normally make me roll my eyes immediately. Oh, seven minutes first actual song? No, not doing it. Uh, no, Dark
2: Sentencer was awesome. And uh, there's a prologue the- right before that that you can't skip over because it's yeah. like, dude, it's such an epic prologue with like the piano parts, and it gets really dark. I think Dark Sentencer reminds me of that one. Uh, what was that popular Avenged Sevenfold? Uh, Hail to the King with like that, yeah. jug. Jug, like dude such an awesome album opener
0: absolutely dude this one gives me a flash gordon vibe i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) i feel like ming is about to come out through the fucking doorway i mean this is the only yeah this is the only one that i don't have a physical copy of uh so i
1: haven't had a chance to read the lyrics and um i I would love to know what the concept is or whatever uh i'm a little nervous that it's act one because you know we're gonna eventually have an act two and probably you know, in act is, five what if i what if i hate that yeah what if it goes on to act seven we come back in like 2027 20, to talk about act act seven uh that's
0: what every fan wants dan
1: that is what every fan wants like let's be honest nighttime walkers awesome uh old flames lucky stars i mean it's there all the songs have like it's everything that you've ever gotten from coheed before but better like it's it's more focused
2: even the poppier stuff like love protocol is more of a popular song kind of like the first two albums that cohee put out but it just gels so much better totally and i hate to always talk about the album cover but like this one with the two characters embracing each other and the futuristic armor with like the giant center on fire behind them gave me like a final fantasy 7 vibe to it totally I Anyone mean, else get that absolutely yeah. No, I can see that for sure.
1: I mean, they, the boys did it again. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Um, they, they did They did a fantastic job on this record. And uh, I wish I had more to say about it. It's the one that I've spent the least time with. Because, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever tried listening to nine albums in a week. But, uh, you know, you, to a certain point, you start feeling like you're just getting through it. Uh, but this was a really nice way to end it off for me. Um, because I didn't hate it. Usually when I get to a band's last record, I'm like on a totally different planet than I was when I started, which actually is probably true of this record uh, conceptually. Um, but you know, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the concepts now. I've heard Coheed without a concept and I didn't love it.
2: This album makes you excited for what the future has in store. Like not being a fan of the band for the past, you know, however long they've been around. Now, after listening to their whole discography and then hearing this album, I want to know what's coming next. Totally.
0: Final thoughts on Coheed and Cambria, David Van Zandt.
2: Thanks for the intro. Yeah, I think I just said it. Like, (laughs) I wasn't a fan. I have zero nostalgia coming into this band. It was a lot of what I was expecting of liking some, not liking others. I feel like that as a discography, it's not... A start to finish you know balls to the wall banger there's a lot of skips in here but um if unheavenly creatures is what claudio has up and up his sleeve for the future then i'm on board at least until i get disappointed with act two
1: Dan, what about you well firstly i did not think that you were gonna say sleeve uh so i'm, I'm happy happy that she said sleeve uh you know for me I'm always going to point at those first three records and say, this is as good as it ever got, but I'm not being a hundred percent honest. Goheed's a band that even in 2020, you should be paying attention to. Um, they're going to challenge your ideas. They're going to challenge your ideas on, on what you think progressive music is and what bands that you think are allowed to be progressive. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you should check it out. Maybe not all of it. I would say definitely follow this episode as a guide. If you're the kind of, of, of music fans that we seem to be, um, you know, you, you're going to know where the highs and lows are.
0: I haven't been actively listening to this band for probably 10 years at this point, but I like what I'm hearing with the newer records. I like that the band is actually growing from a composition standpoint. So if I reach for a Coheed record, I'm going to reach for the old school in keeping secrets of silent earth or good Apollo volume one. But then I listen to the unheavenly creatures and I think, Okay, so if Coheed comes to town, I might spend some money and go see that band play live because I'm not convinced they're just going to show up and play their hits. I don't think Coheed is a band that has hits in 2020. They have songs that they are very much known for, but this is in 2008. We are going to go see Coheed and they're going to play a set list of their greatest hits from the past four records. I think if you like progressive rock... If you're a fan of classic sounding rock bands or even that old school sound, like say a Blue Oyster Cult or Rush, Led Zeppelin, then you need to listen to Coheed because the elements are there. And if you stick around long enough, you might start to really like the story of the artist and the composer who grew from somebody who really liked that old-school music to somebody who can actually sit down and put good records together. Dan, what's your album of the week? My album
1: of the week is Mind Warp by the band Brainchild. David, what about
2: you? The Deer Hunters Act 2, The Meaning Of and All Things Regarding Misleading. If you want a good concept record about the lead singer portraying an ex-lover who cheated on him into a storyline and put it to music act two by the deer hunter is where you go is there a bicycle uh yeah it's not 10 speed though sorry buddy A oh,
0: bummer i
1: said always a bicycle
0: for me it's wolf mother the self-titled record of course take us out dft if you've ever been listening to this podcast and thought to
1: yourself man they keep talking about these awesome bands but i wanted to talk about this awesome man that i know about you can always reach out to us at dan and joe show at gmail.com You can reach out to us on Facebook under Discography Discussion or on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can join our Discord server. There's a link in the show notes that'll take you to the wonderful world of Discord. And uh, we even have a fillable form that you can click on that'll be in the show notes where you can just submit a band suggestion and not even have to talk to us. If you're looking for some sweet Discography Discussion merch, we have all of that stuff on our Teespring store. There will be a link in the show notes. We actually have a hoodie, because it's getting cold outside, kids, that has our logo on it. It's only $24. Nobody's ever going to sell you a hoodie that cheap.
0: You should check it out. And on that note, this has been episode 166 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit discussmetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discussmetal. We have some sweet perks. Hey Joe, can I have some money? One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed.
1: The only chance is not to waste your life. Half no fear. Who walks by your side?